Hello and welcome to Think Fit Be Fit. My name is Jen Schwartz. I am the hostess and creator of this podcast where we believe that you must think fit before you can be fit and stay injury free. This podcast is an educational resource for those of us who want to maintain athleticism despite old sports injuries or chronic injury. You can learn more about me and my practice at impactyourfitness.net. And I'm so glad to have you here today because I brought back one of our most popular guests. His name is Rob DiDonato. He is in Miami and is one of my MATRX, Muscle Activation Techniques RX, classmates. And on the last episode, we had a really good chat about isometrics and youth sports culture. We got a lot of great feedback, but we also talked about a huge variety of things. So I decided to have him back because I wanted to dial it down a little bit more. This is more focused on the foundations of movement and essentially a new paradigm about how to enhance performance and how, what that has to do with rectifying muscle weaknesses and vulnerable areas. And part of this new paradigm is focusing on the feet, the muscles of the feet, strengthening them and integrating them with strong hips and powerful movement. I've always had a hunch that the feet are really important and it's something I've spent a lot of time thinking about in my practice. So I'm really excited to share this one with you guys because we get into it. Uh, our episode from October, I believe it was, uh-huh. super popular. People right. were very intrigued. And not only that, like commenting, uh, I got just a lot of, I really like that episode because, you know, just listening to you two back and forth and in uh, being open about our experiences in, in youth and high school and college sports. And then I think also because what we're doing is unique. It's a new paradigm of sports conditioning and which is already like a super young industry, right? right. And we were we like touched on a bunch of different things around culture and exercise and what's effective. So I wanted to go more into like the effective part and how you're using uh, your studio and what you're offering people and and the process, of course, like I want to hear about the process, right? You know, we're working with similar populations, but also very different populations at the same time. So so how does that sound? That sounds pretty good. Let's do it. Did you get any feedback from your friends or uh, your circle from the podcast? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'll be quite honest, you know, I'm kind of a little bit of closed off kind of person sometimes when it comes to things like this. So the fact that they were able to hear me in a different light with somebody else speaking, you know, the same language, I think some some clients are even saying they almost understood almost understood it better the process that we use and how we go about our our uh, our ways with our business and our clients so mm. so that's what i got it's like oh you know that that makes more sense and i'm like oh wow that's interesting you know because i feel like i'm saying it the same way here but then when they hear it outside of being in in the studio i think uh I don't know what happens, but so yeah, nothing but good feedback for sure. Cool. Yeah. I, I think that's beautiful because one of the perspectives I've had for my own business and for being a coach and a teacher is that the people really uh, don't know about what we do. Like there are so few people that understand power of muscle activation techniques and focused isometric 
foundational movement exercise uh, strategies. And, you know, I just, uh, I just love hearing that. Like, I, I, I just really want this to reach more people and that they can have an idea about how much their body can change and how it can change quickly, you know, right. and that they don't have to waste time in an endless loop of what if and not feeling confident in their body and not feeling stability. I just think the opportunity cost is huge for not understanding these things about your body. So yay. Thank you. Uh, yeah. No, so thank you again for being here. No, especially like um, here in Miami, we're uh, uh, literally the only ones that do this. So mm -hmm. we have no choice but to talk more about it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the power of it and so on and so forth. So it, it gives me a little bit of, uh, you know, it gives me a kick in the ass to say, hey, let's, you know, let's get out there more and, and talk to the world about what exactly it is that we do, you know? Yes, 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 yes. Amazing. <laughs> Do amazing things every single day literally and not a lot of people know about it I know that yeah seeing being a, a catalyst uh, for someone and and bringing about change and seeing their reality change in instances and saying wow I didn't know my body could do that again and just uh, that I'm, I'm addicted to that process like I want to be a part of that for so many people like it just it it drives me every single day absolutely wow. um let's get into it the thing that we discussed last time i think it's worth just retouching on revisiting quickly sure is the foundations of movement and isometrics even if you just say the same exact thing you said in the last podcast um how do you help your athletes connect with the idea that if they learn the right movements and to use the right muscles at the right time how it can be helpful for them instead of muscling through everything and over exerting themselves to work harder and not smarter i'm going to tell you i'm going to first i'll start off with talking about answering your question and then i'm going to give you an example so what i love about isometrics is that it actually it, it actually helps the client understand what a muscle contraction even feels like i feel like people and athletes just go about their way especially athletes where they use their their abilities to like you said muscle through workouts without having the mindset of okay i'm working this is the muscle i'm supposed to be working during this exercise or movement or whatever you want to call it and so they go through their, their, their youth, their young adult life going through that. And I see a lot of these kids starting to break down in college. So what I do is when I get them, when I get them on a machine like the ISOFIT, or if I do it manually myself, I'm like, look, this is what this is supposed to feel like. And it's amazing on how much they struggle with just a, a, a very low intense isometric so it really helps them. And so I, and as they're doing the exercise, so when we move to exercise, they finally understand what it's supposed to feel like. They understand where that muscle is, what it does. And so when they do go off back to college to their strength coaches, they have much more information on how things are supposed to feel, how the exercise is supposed to be done properly. Because unfortunately in the, college football arena, you don't have the best strength coaches on every single kid. You'll have one head strength coach and you might have a bunch of uh, uh, interns and they don't, unfortunately, they're there to learn. Therefore, their education isn't as best as it could be at that point in time. So it's not like they have a bunch of Robs, you know, pointing out every single little thing. Mm -hmm. So I think more importantly, going back is, is that it just reinforces what a muscle contraction is supposed to feel like and how it's supposed to be done. Therefore, so mm -hmm. when they go into a more of a dynamic situation, they completely understand what is supposed to be happening and not just muscling through the exercise. Mm -hmm. So I can give you a really cool example. 
um, I had a client, a uh, college athlete here in Miami, and come see me. And of course, his body looked, his body was a little bit of a mess because he just got, you know, completed a, a football season. So therefore, there's a lot of things that need to be addressed. Um, a lot of tightness in his hips, he would complain of. But then he would, but then prior to that, he would see a, uh, a strength coach that was, I guess, known for speed. He would show me some of the videos. And then I told him, I said, look, yes, he's trying to make you open up your hips and do all these things. But at the end of the day, if your muscles won't work, then none of that is going gonna, is gonna to make you better. It could actually make you worse. could actually make you slower. And his eyes opened up like crazy. So as we're going through the MAT process and afterwards we fill up some isometrics and then boom, obviously he gained a lot more range of motion back, but more importantly, he's got the strength. He felt good. Tightness went away. So then I said, so look, this is, you know, these are what muscle contractions are supposed to do. They're supposed to open you up. You can't just go through a bunch of motions, mindless motions, and just think that magically your body's just going to quote unquote open up or whatever the term is that you want to use and um and strength is number one and how you go about that is these these isometrics help a lot so mm-hmm. it really opened him up it kind of freaked him out a little bit because he's he was never he's never had that done before and it's amazing to shine some light on this whole situation so that they're better educated mm. i got two things to follow up with that do you use anatomy terminology to help achieve this with your like younger, you know, the, the college and high school athletes? Sometimes. Yes. Sometimes I do. Yeah. I, I don't go, I don't go hardcore into it. I, I, I'll give you an example. Prime example is, is for example, like lats, you know, everybody, you know, <laughs> they talk about lats, this lats, that, but yet they don't know what it really feels like to get that muscle really activated and, and to feel it. So in a simple row, you can change several different things in a row where you can really feel your lat just kind of popping out and you're challenging it. And it's so funny how little weight these guys will need because they've never really challenged it before. Mm. Um, so all this weight that they're using for these rows because they think they're getting their backs nice and strong and we're talking like we'll probably use 50% of what they normally would, maybe even less mm-hmm. of uh, weight to challenge those muscles because they don't know how to do it. And they're shaking all over the place. And it's quite funny. So, yeah. So sometimes I do like to use that terminology. And also, you know, because these, a lot of these college athletes that I have, you have every trainer and all these other people pulling at them left and right. And I want to educate them the most. I want to be that the guy that educates them the most. So I let them know what's up. I let them know, you know, what I know. And, mm-hmm. and I want them to understand that what I'm teaching them is, is science. It's not based off of my a belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll throw the anatomy at them, but I don't want to go overboard because I don't want, you know, their brains are already going crazy as it is with mm-hmm. everything that I'm throwing at them. So I try to use as much as I can without overdoing it. Yeah, I I have a theory that in all almost all the stages of gaining some type of fitness, and especially after old injury, that people really do need anatomy and an understanding of the thing that they're trying to change. Absolutely, one hundred percent. What's really cool yeah. is I really like to dive into it a little bit more with the lower leg and foot. And they really, athletes really like that more so than anything for some weird reason. I don't really know why, but they understand that the feet are very important. <clears throat> they just don't know why. So when you kind of show them, oh, this muscle attaches to there and just doing like big toe extensions, isometric. Mm-hmm. And, you know, showing them where they're supposed to feel it. And then you can see the muscle popping out a little bit. And they're intrigued by the whole lower leg and foot. So I, I really get a lot of good feedback with that. Here's, here's something that will help the whole process. Is that part of this 
paradigm shift of mindless motion, the focused motion and exercise is that recipient or the trainee receives like these re rewarding doses of dopamine during the process, which makes the whole thing stick and work better, right? So when we like congratulate our client on what seems like a silly isometric contraction, they're buying into it and so is their mind and so is their nervous system and so is their brain because of this extra hit of dopamine, right? Like the memory is getting stronger. Right. And, but with the feet, in the brain, we have a, like a brain map. Have, have you heard of, um, I don't know, some, uh, a, term, a term called the brain map and uh, how the body, you know, lays out, like it's a proprioception, it's memory of where our limbs are and how many fingers we have. Yes. Yes. So in that brain map, which is a deep brain air in a deep, deeper brain area than let's say our extremely agile reflexes and football um, techniques, memories, right? It's in a deeper area of the brain. A word that people use to describe it is called the homunculus, which means the little man, because the, the depiction in our brain of our body is that the hands and the, like the mouth and visual cortex and feet are much larger than the actual body image in the map. And that's because of the density of sensory uh, receptors in those areas. So meaning like there is some, there's a higher level of importance and hierarchy in some way around these highly dense sensory motor areas. And potentially where I'm getting is by you doing wonderful work at the feet and lower leg, that they're getting even more of that dopamine response and even more of that excitement. Totally speculating, totally in my head. And <laughs> um, that sounds pretty cool, though, and I totally get it. It totally makes yeah. sense. I like um, the other thing is, like, no one out there, including podiatrists, have um, a special focus for foot muscle function, you know? Um, right. And podiatrists, um, not all of them by any means. I've worked with a, two of them that are amazing. They, they have this idea that the foot is more of like this um, – it's it's all about the structure. I don't know how the bones are degrading or if they're unhealthy and the tendons and the ligaments, which obviously are important, but they skip over a lot of muscle function. Some of us MAT specialists could make a career just working on feet. And I think I've heard Greg Rothkopf say that at some yes. point. And I don't know. And then the other thing uh, that crossed my mind when you said that was uh, totally on the other spectrum here. And because I'm all about this interconnectedness and like meta exercise, if anybody hasn't picked up on that yet. <laughs> um, the, uh, the idea that we're like born to run, right? And like evolutionary biology and what our feet are like they are an amazing feat of uh, human architecture because of running, because of bipedal movement. So hell yeah, it feels good when you get them optimized. It has a huge impact on like yeah, every single thing that you love about exercise. Like you feel faster because you're more interconnected in this way. Anyways. No, absolutely. Um, 100%. No, I, I never, well, I never, yeah, I never really thought of it that way. And, and no, you're 100% correct as far as all that sensory input and the feet and the hands. I didn't know the mouth, so that's a new one for me. So that's pretty cool. I said it's so, and it's so funny to see and exciting where you do these, you know, these toe extensions. They have no control over it. And then afterwards, they can do it. And like you were saying before, with just that, it's almost like a little instant gratification um, that they did. Now, at first they can't extend their toes. Now they can, and now they can control it. And then they walk around and they just feel differently. So, 
Um, and athletes are very, in some of them, I would say most of them are far more in tune than the general person is. So you really get a, a good kick out of, okay, now I can, and I had no control over my toes. Now I do. And uh, that's quite rewarding for them. So no, you're absolutely right. And so how do you integrate the, the foot uh, foundational movement and doing isometrics at the feet and lower legs into the explosive stuff? Like I see you doing belt squats, um, which is like way sexier on Instagram than foot exercises and big toe extension for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, so, absolutely. so what's the, what's the, what's the process like from isometrics on the feet to explosive motion? So I try to keep it, um, try to keep it simple. So once I start, I like to do, I'll go through a general range of motion just to get them kind of in tune with their body. So we'll go from the foot and ankle all the way up quickly. And then what I love to do is I like to do just some simple dorsiflexion, isometrics, then I'll go into the toes, extensions, and then what I'll do is I'll, then I'll go through a full body isometric preparation. So abduction, adduction, uh, with various ranges of motion. So with the hip internally uh, rotated, external rotated, and then more of a neutral position and I'll go through all of those and um, but I do like to do a ton of isometrics with spine extension then I'll get into a Pilates studio to do a little bit more dynamic work with trunk flexion and trunk extension then I'll go into something like belt squats then I know they're ready um, and I will oftentimes just stick with that one exercise so they can dominate it and focus on it and I won't really do too many exercises in one uh, session that involves any explosion of any sort. So let's just say if it's a belt squat, we go through probably 30 minutes or more of, you know, it's a workout, but I call it preparation. So we'll use, we'll do a ton of foot and ankle. And, um, but I like to do more extensions, to be honest, and I like to do uh, toe flexion. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it, they, they feel just that much more, um, they get more range of motion as they're going down. And then more importantly, they, they can feel the force being created from the feet and through the plate rather than them just coming up uh, mindlessly. And a lot of times they're using their back to stand up from a squat and you're able to finally teach them, Hey, it's about providing force through the floor rather than just trying to get up through your back. So that's a hard one to break. That's a bad, it's a hard habit to break. But once they, once you just continue to work on the feet and, and do all these little exercises, even I, I make them do a box with their feet. So if they're in dorsiflexion and inversion, dorsiflex, uh, and then you'll go into plantar flexion and then you go through all the ranges, just having them point their foot. So that actually helps pretty well too. And it's amazing on how some of them can even do that. So once you do that, and I transfer them over to the belt squat, they are like, okay, these, this foot thing is fired up. They're, you know, these muscles are ready to go. And it's easier for them to understand the coaching cue of pushing through the floor first before you decide to stand up rather than just trying to stand up. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. so to, me, to me, it's massive. And you can see their glutes firing up a lot better. You can see their legs, you know, shaking a little bit more. And they're using their legs and their, low, their lower body and their hips. So that, therefore, they don't really feel anything at all in their lower backs at all. Yeah. So, I mean, even that piece of pushing through the floor is missed by like 90% of trainers that are using a barbell as their main modality. I have a hard time understanding why so few people are using that cue and using that visualization. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you obviously chose a belt squat. I mean, we all have limited space in our studios. Is that one of the yeah. reasons why you chose that machine? Um, I'll be honest. I chose it because I felt tremendous results with it with myself. Cause 
I'm a spondylolisthesis thesis guy and um, dealing with that since I was 13, I've, when I was in high school playing sports and even in the college, you know, we back squatted, back squatted, back squatted, I front squat here and there. And never once did it ever feel good for me. Never once. Um, so I tried when the first time I tried a belt squat, I said, okay, this is, I actually feel like I'm getting stronger from this. Like my legs feel good. I feel like I can run better, things like that. My, and more importantly, my back's not bothering me or my shoulders aren't bothering me because my range, you know, my range of motion is the greatest with my, in my shoulder area. So when I have a bar on my back, it feels as if it's stretching the crap out of my pecs. Mm. And I hated that thing. So mm. I bought the bell squat because I'm like, A, it's easier for me to teach a squat and what it's supposed to feel like. And I'm yielding, getting results a lot faster than I would a back squat. And I, so when I felt that with myself, and then I started, then I decided to buy it. And then I started using it with other clients. And, um, and a lot of people get, uh, even some, sometimes even athletes, they get a little bit scared of the fact that you, the moment you mentioned squats, like, oh my God, you're going to put a, a heavy bar on my back and you're going to put a ton of weight on it. And then once they see that that's completely eliminated, uh, mm -hmm. I, they, they're more in tune to what exactly it is that a squat should be doing, in my personal opinion, and that's just getting you stronger, not yeah. having to muscle through all of these different components of holding the bar on your back, all these other different positions. And so once I eliminate the bar, I just simply make them hold a, like a yoga block in their, in their hands, just mm -hmm. to kind of create a little tension in their upper body and mm -hmm. abdominal area. And then um, it's easier for me to teach, to be honest. So much that's easier. amazing yeah I, I i love that uh i love that story and really interesting that you brought up the uh, that the back squat does elicit some fear in college athletes i've experienced the same thing not as an athlete but like uh as a, a coach and when the my my clients the players are on their break and they're visiting me when they're home and we talk about what they're doing in the weight room it's true uh and even some of the ones that have been you know they're like juniors and they've become familiar with a barbell it that's even been true uh just in my anecdotal experience and trying to get to the bottom of, okay, how can two hours with me during this break impact them the most? And I've often come back to reviewing the squat and helping them eliminate fear by giving them these cues and strategies to actually get themselves out of that, literally the hole, <laughs> getting out of the bottom of the squat safely and lowering into it safely. So that's really interesting. I've never heard, um, I haven't talked about that much with anybody else, so that's really interesting. It's really important, because obviously they're not just gonna sit out or whatever the case may be, so I even tell them to lower the weight. I'm not just, mm -hmm. I'm like, ask, ask your coaches to lower the weight so you can get this, Cause I'm not saying it's bad, you know, for me, I just don't use it for me, for my own. I just don't think it, it helps me very much at all. So, but I'm not saying it's bad for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I tell them, I'm like, look, this is what you have to do. You can't just sit out. Some, some colleges will actually have a, a, a pitch shark or some version of a belt squat. And I asked them, I said, if you, especially for my big linemen who could barely put their arms, they, they really don't have much range of motion or if they don't have one of those safety bars where they can hold the bar in front as opposed to. I love the safety bar, yeah. But it's pretty awesome. And sometimes they don't have access to that. And if they have access to like a pitch shark, usually these schools will have a, a it's like a, it's a bell squat, but it's a pitch shark. And um, they call it a pitch shark. And so. I'll ask them and say, look, ask your coaches if you can use a pitch chart because tell them it makes you stronger. You know, literally just tell them that and see what they say. And if they're, and if they're back squatting with the bar on their backs, I tell them to lower the weight. Mm -hmm. I say, you don't need all that weight. Just lower the weight. 
own own those positions, work on that, positions. and then yeah, just own the positions of mm-hmm. of being able to <clears throat> contract your abdominals the whole way through. And as you're squatting down at the bottom, don't go too low. And I try to teach them what's too low when you. Mm-hmm. I try to teach them how to feel for their pelvis tilting, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, big time. I, I mean. That's the, that's the biggest crime on the internet, right? To me, yeah. sometimes it's like yeah. not people not controlling their pelvis in a squat. <laughs> so, so I'll show them in a mirror, you know, the what you literally can go down just it's a matter of not even an inch, and you're, you lose your pelvis. You know, it's that you got to learn how to feel for that stuff because nobody else is watching you. So, I will teach them how to feel for that. And once they start to feel for that, and I'm like, look, that's kind of like, you know, you're, you're playing with fire there, especially when you have a lot of load on your back. And I'm teaching them this stuff, keep in mind, with no weight at all. So mm-hmm. once we're going down, so at the bottom of the squat, I say, okay, you feel that? That's your comfortable end range right there. That's where you need to – you can't go any lower than that. Be careful when you have a bar on your back. So – I tell them, you know, getting your butt to the ground is not the goal. That's not mm-hmm. what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, I mean, you are doing so much for these individuals. Like the confidence um, would care will probably carry over to so many aspects of training, and their athleticism is huge. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I I want to. I I think it's worth touching on something. Uh, now that we're on this belt squat thing, um, there are there's an opposing. Uh, I don't know thought process to what we're saying, big time, and that is done with, I guess they're called flywheels on the platform, and you put a belt on. It looks like the setup of a belt squat, but it's done with a, an eccentric uh, redirected energy from the flywheel. Does that make any sense? Interesting. So when you're squatting down, what, how, what is the force? Where's the force pulling you? Uh, well, it's a flywheel. So it's pulling you down. It's all, it basically makes the whole entire squat eccentric. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So. Great. I don't think yeah. I've seen I don't think I've seen it. Well, I have. Um, so they resemble like an old lawnmower start. <laughs> That's what they like. <laughs> That's the best one I have. Um, <laughs> and they finish with a rapid eccentric rebound. So it like winds up and then it stops and then it pulls and then it'll rapidly like rebound. So, and it's, um, it, it's a, you know, you're locked into the floor. Honestly, I tried one, and it is an ACL injury waiting to happen, if you think about it that way. Okay, so I'm looking at it now. Yes, I have seen I've seen this before. Um, I have not tried it. I tried it at a soccer coaching convention a few years ago, and I was, I was amazed. First of all, I didn't sign anything before I got on that thing. Centric <laughs> forces, I, I was like, whoa, like, shocked um and it's it's just i don't know I, I, it's the opposite be, of what we're talking about because it's so uh eccentrically focused and oh. i've um i put a little bit of thought into this as to why it's so popular one because it's instagram sexy and right it'll make people feel like they're doing a ton of work when they're actually just, you know, kind of putting a lot of forces onto people's bodies. Cause right. Cause like eccentrics are, you know, seven, six, seven times the force of a, of a concentric, you know, focused motion. And so therefore, you know, our body has to spend a ton of time recovering from these, right. Like deadlifts and, so they become, you know, basically just super sexy in the sports world. And that has been supported by research, to be honest with you, because so many uh, sport and conditioning 
exercise-focused studies can, eccentric exercises can prevent injury, you know? And I just, I don't know, I'm just looking at this thing and shaking my head. So I just wanted to kind of bring that forward as like, hey, this is the opposite of what we're talking about. Just because like, if somebody takes this information and they're like, oh, look at that thing that looks like a belt squat, maybe I'll try it. And it, then they jump onto this thing and it feels like, you know, they're being pulled under by a rip tie, you know what I mean? Like by the ocean floor and that, I don't know. So it's the same science that like supports like how wonderful Nordic hamstring exercises are. And uh-huh. it's, you know, and we, and, and like, for me, like I look at that exercise and I'm like, you get so little opportunity to control that exercise that you're just like forcing your hamstrings to do something they literally don't want to do, which is uh, decelerate at like high forces. You know what I mean? Like you have to be, <laughs> anyway. No, the, I, I'm, tr- I, I'm glad I have not tried that thing or yeah. bought it for that matter. So yeah, yeah. thank you for that inside tip. The, on that. I'm yeah. actually watching it now. And the, and the other thing is, is it's, it's like you're at the point of no return. So it's like a war when you're at the bottom there, huh? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I think it it feels like you're in the ocean and you're getting pulled under by a wave. Like that's, that's my, uh, wow. it, yeah, it was awful. And I mean, it wasn't fun. Like it wasn't, um, and maybe because I knew like, oh my God, I'm being pulled down by these like huge eccentric forces that it wasn't, uh, I wasn't ready for it, nor was I, (laughs) and they were encouraging me to do it on one leg. I was like, yo, like, this is crazy. Um, And then then they, they do it. They had people doing split squats, which is like even worse. Like, well, no, I don't know. It could be. Anyways. So I got to move on from that. Uh, the, I guess the other thing um, I wanted to talk about, and you mentioned this when we were uh, planning the episode, was how you were combining performance-enhancing exercise and results by constantly uh, revisiting vulnerable areas and rectifying muscular imbalances. I know how this works. I don't think anybody, many other people do. So can you get into that? As far as, uh, <clears throat> as, far as me checking constantly, checking. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, I have an athlete that was coming with chronic hamstring pulls and um, we, we were able to focus in on an injury he actually had the year prior and it was a shoulder stinger from um from him hitting somebody in a football game and basically shoulder stinger just kind of an impinged nerve and your whole arm goes numb for a while so it's kind of scary you don't have any use of your arm for like a short period of time and then it kind of comes back and that has plagued him a little bit through that whole year so now going back to this year um, it affected his spine extension. So what's amazing about when somebody gets a pulled hamstring, sometimes you could even test their hamstring and it'll come back strong. Uh, right. And so what I did was I locked in into spine extension and shoulder retraction. So before every workout that we had, I was always reinforcing isometrics on both of those, all the muscles uh, responsible for both of those motions. So we would, for example, <clears throat> when we would do something like belt squats, or actually, you know what, this would even sound even better. So let's say we had an upper body day and we were doing some pulling exercises. Um, I have something called a, a spider row where your body is completely straight. And S-P-I-R-E? It, yeah, like a spider. Yeah. It's, oh, um, spider. From, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's made by uh, Sorenex. Okay, yep. And um, so you're upright, your whole body is against the pad, your feet is against a foot plate. So you're, you have to keep your legs extended, your glutes locked, spine slightly extended, and you're just, and then you got the row. So it's like a T-bar row. 
And um, so as we're rowing, I will always check to see if his spine extension is getting fried out or if his hip extension, more importantly, is getting fried out. And the reason why I would check hip extension, even though it's an upper body day, is that was my indicator that his body was getting fried out and fatigued because at the end of the day, that's the whole reason why his hamstring was getting pulled in the first place was because of a weak spine. So mm-hmm. why am I going to uh, why am I going to push him to absolute failure when that was the one thing that when that was the one thing that was causing the pulled hamstring in the first place? So we would go, we would row, we would row, do our rows, and I go back and say, okay, let's go back. Check hip extension, he's fine. So I think after row, I think it was the fourth set, literally his hip extension was struggling on both sides. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, all right, we're cutting it, done. And he looked at me like I was crazy a little bit. I said, but see, I said, you know, I know you can feel it. And I'm like, that is the difference between going way overboard and playing on that fine line of, you know, when is enough? When is enough is enough? You know, it's like, when is it? When do you know? And that's kind of how I go about my business. Um, Cause it's very specific to him. And I know that's what was failing him in the past. Therefore it's like, he more than likely, if I really wanted to, he could probably do two more sets. But mm-hmm. why even go there? Why even push that when I know that he's, we have a lower body day or he's going to be going running or he's got a game or whatever the case may be. Why am I going to go beyond, above and beyond that threshold, so to speak? So that's what I, that's how I use it. I use range of motion as a, as a way to um, give myself a calibration of how far I can push somebody. Mm. Yeah. Is that what you're that's asking? That's so interesting. Yeah, that's exactly what I was asking. Okay. Uh, I deal with a lot of I deal with a lot of groin injuries because I'm in soccer, right? right? And I find some very like you'll I'll, I'll open up um, hip ad, hip adduction, uh, knee flexion, things like that on them, and they're not they end up not being the actual problem area. And uh, I've found it a lot that it has more to do with the femoral nerve and imbalances around like psoas minor, uh, all the abdominal muscles and up the chain, even, you know, uh, of course, external obliques, internal obliques. Um, and sometimes, of course, I go down to the feet because you know, once you work above the hips and in the hips, you want to make sure that the feet are also engaged and matching, you know, the muscle balance that you're trying to create. Um, for me, anyways, that's that's where I go. Um, yeah, I, I, man, we hit on all the stuff I wanted to talk about. That is so exciting. <laughs> I, like, I like it. It's awesome. And, you know, yeah. the funny thing is it's like everything is, you know, every circumstance is different, obviously. So, you know, you can have somebody with pull hamstrings and we're working a ton on the feet, you know, and I, and I can't wait to learn more with Pilates on that with the whole feet thing. Uh, Courtney, yeah. Courtney's going to teach me um, a little something, something when it comes to some footwork on, on the reformer and, yeah. uh, doing that it just it makes you feel taller it makes you feel like you're locked in it makes you feel synced in and um and i can't i can't yeah. wait, i can't wait to i can't wait to um play with that with this new client because he's getting pulled hamstrings due to some foot dysfunction and mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with his hip or his back unlike the other the other athlete that i had was his spine so it's really awesome that we can locate these different uh it could be the same exact, let's just say a same exact um, situation where injury or reoccurring injury, and it could be coming from two different places. I know. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell all the people selling bird dog exercises that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to start posting some stuff on some uh, reformer uh, footwork. And um, yeah. I have a lot of. Uh, 
I, I have a lot of personal, um, my own body experience with uh, footwork and using Pilates to access uh, more foot strength and more knee stability. I like and it. yeah, like MAT has laid a fantastic groundwork for my knees to be stable, but the work with the Pilates apparatus and the spring, oh my God, amazing. Like the girl that I have working for me has a special focus on feet. She has both of her subtalar joints fused. Oh, wow. I know. Wow. So she has all kinds of ideas about how to access <laughs> motion of the feet. <laughs> which, is, which is great. I mean, yeah, yeah. And there's all kinds of um, uh, props as well that you could use uh, in your, uh, let's call it the standing and the dynamic training with uh, the Pilates, um, I don't know how they cue and work with the feet. And okay. it's just interesting because we know we've got this amazing, strong, huge tendon in our ankle, right? The Achilles. And then we have another couple tendons up the line and IT band included and the patellar tendon that are so good at collecting elastic energy, right? right. And that's what Pilates brings to the table. They, they can specifically access that part of how our muscles are designed to function and it's pretty amazing. I, I don't know, you can obviously hear the excitement in my voice. And <laughs> it's just, but, it is so exciting. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, you hear about athletes rupturing their Achilles and all these things, it's, it's like, wow, what went wrong? You know, like there, a lot had to go wrong for those things to give out. Yeah, for sure. And that's a whole nother conversation. Okay, I'll yeah. write that down. That's next. What are you up to? What are you sharing with folks? Um, let them know what the... So, so one thing that I wanted to, that I started at the end of 2019 was uh, learning from, learning more on the nutrition side. Uh, his name is Dr. Stephen Cabral out of Boston. Um, I am now taking his courses to become an integrative health practitioner. Mm. And um, it, hit, it hit home with me because my mother um, was very sick with um, diverticulitis and all these doctors wanted to do surgery on her, said she would never heal. And uh, my mom just uh, hold off. So long story short, we took some labs through them, equilibrium nutrition, and um, she had candida bacteria overgrowth, yeast overgrowth, and a lot of food sensitivities mm -hmm. and vitamin mineral deficiencies. So we got her on their version, their uh, protocol to kill the candida overgrowth and yeast overgrowth. And uh, my mother lost, she went on a detox for one week first, then you go on the protocol, which is six months. Mm -hmm. And um, she's now is completely fine, no pain, didn't have to do surgery. She lost 20 pounds, didn't even exercise. And... Um, mm -hmm. Is now eating better and she feels she doesn't she when you she would get in these weird depressed moods sometimes and now she's completely fine she's happier than ever and it's amazing it's amazing on what it did so i'm like you know what i think i need that so mm -hmm. we can talk about this in another podcast but it's stuff i need to start posting anyways about and I've been a slacker on it so now i'm actually in a candida bacteria overgrowth protocol so um it's like you know you're less puffy my face i don't have rash on my face anymore i don't have all these things going on and i'm actually starting to put on weight as opposed to before i started all this i was at a certain weight now i'm actually putting on weight and i've i'm actually eating less um mm -hmm. i'm eating less more vegetables and um it's amazing what on, on what all this is doing so you get the blueprint of the information that you're really missing and so i'm basically learning his process and going through all this it's going to take me about two years and i'll eventually be somebody that can 
lead these labs and help my clients move forward according to what the labs are saying. So I'm already implementing the diet side into it and it's working mm -hmm. really well. And um, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm going. It's a lot more than what I expected it to be, to be quite honest. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of already used to this with the whole MAT stuff anyway. So mm-hmm mm -hmm. um that's but, super cool yeah so um i will uh well i'll see you in a few weeks in denver um and let's try to hook up when i'm in your neighborhood yes absolutely so uh do remind me when you're back when you're uh -huh. in town and let's uh figure something out so we can maybe do, right. a, do a podcast here uh that would be fun yeah <laughs> sounds good yeah yeah all right man thank you right. again and have a wonderful day thanks you too all right bye that was an amazing conversation i really enjoyed it meaning i just got a buzz from sharing my ideas and my philosophies and hearing how he implements all of the wonderful things down there in miami as I said, that is Rob DiDonato at Myocortex. You can find him and his studio on Instagram at Rob DiDonato, R-O-B-D-I-D-O-N-A-T-O underscore and at Myocortex, one word, and M-C-X underscore sports. Also, I have not had a... Well, the podcast has not had an updated review since May. We're getting a lot of five stars, but not actual reviews. So I guess I have to ask for them. <laughs> um, the numbers are good and I love seeing them, but I really want to hear how this is helping you guys in, in your practice or in your workouts or with your teams. Just let me know. Um, I look forward to reading them and hearing from you on Instagram.